Reich. Well, hello, Michelle. Well, hello, Georgette. What have we here? <laughs> I've got bird nest hair, so have you. Yeah, we're both looking a little like we've just rolled out of bed. But hey, that's why we're podcasting. <laughs> Do you know what? I have seen people who record visually while they're doing their podcasting recording. Yeah, that's not good for us. How do they do that? If anyone (laughs) could see me right now, (laughs) literally rolled out of bed. We'd be a bit more organised if that were the case for us, Michelle, I think. I say I would probably put makeup on, but I probably wouldn't because I haven't been doing that recently. Not a fan of makeup these days, are you? You've got a face that can carry no makeup, though. Not me. I don't think so. I don't think (laughs) so. I look like a ball of dough unless I paint my face on. (laughs) But anyway, how are you today? What's new? You've been out, by the look of you. I have. I went out, out last night. Out, 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 out. To a restaurant. With uh, with Andreas, it was very nice. Oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah, being restaurateurs, it's like a busman's holiday, really, isn't it? Oh yes, but it's always nice to have someone else cook for you, isn't it? Oh God, yeah. I was so jealous about you going out last night. I was thinking, I wish I could go out, <laughs> but I'm stuck at home because my youngest is isolating for a week. Oh no! God. I did have a restaurant booked, but had to cancel it the day of. God damn you, COVID! God damn it! But let's live vicariously through you. What did you do, Michelle? Where did you go? What did you have? I went to a fancy restaurant where I thought I would just be eating, I don't know, main course. A salad. Nine courses. Whoa! Nine courses. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why so many? That's how you do it. Oh, that's the tasting menu. Well, no, it's only one menu. But oh. that's actually the same concept as Andreas's restaurant. Uh-huh. Nine courses. Nine which courses. is really more like 12 once I've you done that because you have all the amuse-bouches between. I've had it. I've done it a couple of times, actually. I went out to dinner twice, very luckily, with a, a very uh, rich man and a group Ooh. of people. I didn't know him. It was a friend, it was a friend of my then-husband's. And we went to the Savoy and sat at the chef's table (gasps) twice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it's even better when you don't have to pay. I know. I once went on a date with a dude. I didn't realize he was – it was a Tinder date, you know, whatever. Turned up and I thought we were just going to some little cocktail bar. He took me to this fancy rare wines wine bar and he ordered a bottle of wine for us bottle of wine was over 500 pounds who does that on a first date expectations must be high oh. <laughs> well let's just say he didn't get what he thought he was paying for but um <laughs> she doesn't put out on the first date jen will be pleased to hear I'm a nice girl. I mean, honestly, the the wine, I didn't even think was that nice. But I sat there freaking out. I can't fucking go halves in this. I can't go Dutch. So when do you say that at a date like that? Do you go, listen, before we order, let's just figure out, I've got a budget. (laughs) Well, I sort of didn't realise where we were. And I think I'd popped to the loo and come back and he'd ordered this bottle. And then I'd sort of looked in the menu and thought, are you fucking kidding me? So how did you play that? Well, I just said, oh, thanks so much for bringing me on this date. But I, you know, I can't go halves with you on this. He's like, 
I would never invite a woman out on a date and expect her to pay. And I'm like, great. Oh, my God. Let's go nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So then we had dinner too. (laughs) All on him. Yeah. Wow. Do you know what? I did try at one point. I thought, because I didn't really fancy him. And I thought, can I make myself (laughs) fancy him just because he's rich? Do I have to sleep with him because he paid all this money? (laughs) No, no, no. It was more this long-term thought of, can I just fake it? Are you serious? Be with a rich guy. Oh, my God, Michelle. Really? Not fake it as in, ah, fake it. But more fake it as in, can I pretend to actually really be with someone I don't like just because they've got loads of money oh, and I no. couldn't do it I couldn't no. do it no, I'm I surprised that that thought even entered your head Michelle oh no but come on you know we all see what reports of younger ladies with old men on their deathbed and they scoop up all the cash after they're dead I just thought <laughs> maybe that could be a quick way but this guy had a lot of life in him still clearly yeah he did yeah. he did and it was so boring oh god anyway so now I'm with my lovely little Swede and we have a very nice life that's great and you get to go to fancy restaurants see how you said great yes that's what I tried to say last week. Apologies to anybody who, who actually thought I said, I'm grey. Because I meant to say, <laughs> I'm great. But the tea just didn't come out. I didn't I think- notice that, Michelle. But we can give an apologie anyway. Apologies from me. Apologies to you. Why do I always sound so Australian? I think Australians do this. They don't say the tea. Often it's, they, they replace the it with a D. Water. Water. But they do Glass say water. Like grey. Sh- <laughs> like the shower's just been turned on. I'm grey. Sh- how are you? Trojan. True. Apparently that's a saying you were telling me earlier. That's a oh, saying what? that your mother started in Sydney's gay community. Somehow. What she at a cabaret <laughs> took the mic. Oh, no, it's it's a story. Let me tell you. Many years ago, uh, my my big gay uncle had come to visit my mum and they were sitting there and my sister was going out clubbing with her gay friend. And as they were leaving, they heard our uncle saying to Jen, oh, true, Jen, true. (laughs) And... Since then, my sister and her friend always say, oh, true, Jen, true. He started saying it to all his gay mates. Now it's a thing in the gay community. It's spread like chlamydia. (laughs) True, Jen, true. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. Well, that's good. We can do a ditty about that. We've got a few new ditties coming up. And there's one about the Clayton's cat, which I can't wait to do. Not the Clayton's cat. Just Clayton's. We spoke last week about Clayton's, didn't we? Which was the drink you have when you're not having a drink. And it became... I had a cat when I'm not having a cat. And now... It's not Cinzano. We don't need Cinzano cocktail recipes because we found out it's vermouth and it's just a martini. Yeah. Yeah, it is just vermouth. Boring. I think, I think we had it because my dad is Italian. Italian. And he liked Cinzano. And how would he have his Cinzano? I really don't remember. Oh. <laughs> Probably neat, but I think we had both. I think we had the sweet and the dry. Vermouth. Oh. It's not the mouth. It's the mouth. I thought it was vermouth. Um, <laughs> I asked my bartender son for some recipes and he just went martini. Yeah, that's it. Oh, come on. Get creative. Come on, Killian. 
<laughs> now, Anywho. do we have any shot arts? Shot arts! We do. <laughs> yes. We have a listener called Jeremy Ferris, a.k.a. Jez, who is responsible for the Two Birds Yakin hashtag. Hashtag Two Birds Yakin. No, I just thought he just saw us yakking and thought that's Two Birds Yakin. But apparently we ha- he has us on his listening list. Oh, that's nice. Whether he listens or not, I don't know. Does that mean he listens or he's just got it on a list? <laughs> <laughs> but now he said to me, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's two birds screaming at each other in a pub. Now, you thought it was See, a car park, but it was a pub. I thought you said we were screaming in a car park. But screaming in a car park, I could. how do you do that? Shopping trolley. No, that's Fuck a brawl. Give me, my, give me that fucking shopping trolley. That's my shopping trolley. Get your hands <laughs> off it. No. I think it's that's just two birds dollar. talking loudly in a pub because it's so noisy. I think that's what it's all about. That's but what also, he meant. I, I don't think I shout at you, do I? Well, perhaps we laugh loudly. I don't know. Like I said before, <laughs> like I said, men hear a decibel higher with a woman and that's it. They're backing out of the room. They're like, no, nah, I'm not here for this. No, nah, I'm going down the pub. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Reverse. Reverse. Straight out. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, thanks. So that's Jess. for listening. But the other shout out is to our part-time researcher and lovely listener, Yannicka Bailey, who I believe has sent us this week's topic of discussion. Oh, thank you, Yannicka. Shout out, shout out, you're getting a shout out. So this week, Georgia, what are we talking about? I believe it's something to do with fraudulent peoples. Well, I did call this episode The Great Pretenders. Right. Because this story is bizarre. Uh-huh. And without any real motive that I can see, it's just mental. And I don't mean that the person is mental, although I'm sure there is some mental health issues. It's just a bit out there. So I'm, I'm going to just ask you a quick question, Geordie. How do you spot a fraudster when they're very good at lying? That's the thing. You don't, do you? I no. guess it's, it's just... I think it's when suspicions arise in various things, you think, oh, I think when you're at my stage of life, you're more attuned to it. (laughs) But say 20, 30 years ago, you just go, oh, okay. Because if you remember, we were friends with a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From a previous episode, we were friends with a murderer, it was called. Yeah, you just, you think, oh, that's a bit fishy, but you just just keep on with it, you know, or boyfriends or partners or friends that you think oh that's a bit weird but oh well you know it takes all kinds of people in this world you know (laughs) so you just live on and think that's fine but then at a certain point I guess you become more aware and I think if suspicions arise it's worth listening to your gut well I think so too because I think you are quite trusting I think probably we both are quite trusting and also a little bit Live and let live. You know, if somebody's telling tall tales. Live and let die. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Had to do that. But if someone's telling, you know, fibs or just tall yeah. tales or or fantastical stories, you're just like, yeah. in the end, you just think, ah, oh, they're just a bit of a bullshitter, but whatever, they're my mate. Mm-hmm. But this is, this case is, is sort of along those lines, but to the extreme. I want to hear about it. I'm telling you right now. Do tell, do tell. This case actually hit the headlines a few weeks ago. And it's about a woman who duped people all over the world. 
into believing that she was someone else, right? And actually, she wasn't just someone else. She pretended to be loads of different people. She pretended to be a schoolgirl, a wealthy au pair, Swedish royalty, shout out to Andreas, teen sex trafficking victim, Fuck. a talent scout for Pixar, and a Russian gymnast. A rich fantasy life. Now, was she doing this all online? No. IRL. In real IRL. life. IRL? Yes. <laughs> and look, for our Australian listeners, you've probably already clocked who I'm talking about. We are talking about today the 33-year-old Aussie con woman, Samantha Azapardi. So, like I said before, this whole case is pretty bizarre. And the reason it hit the news recently is because there was a court case where Samantha had been she'd been an au pair for this French couple and they've be, they've remained unnamed they don't want the association I don't think but this was in Victoria in in Geelong she I'll just point out to you again she's 33 mm-hmm. she was pretending to be an 18 year old au pair called Saka I don't know Sa- how that's if Saka S A K A H Saka I don't know how do you say it Saka? Saka. 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 I think it's I think it's a little bit of a hint to that French couple. Sack her. She's not the real deal. And they missed it. Saka, mate. Saka. And but look, they went ahead and hired her. Um and I imagine they didn't check any references because if they did, they would have realized she wasn't eighteen. She was employed by them for a few weeks, and she, sorry, all... Michelle. I just thought of something else. They, she could also have given her name as Donna Hire Me. <laughs> oh my Donna Hire Me. Donna Hire oh, Me. Why did you just come up with I that? Did. <laughs> Thanks. I came up with it ages ago, but you were talking, and I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> I don't think she's that clever. Oh. But she wasn't with this couple for long, and these Good. this French couple had two kids, quite young. I think one was like. 10 months old and the other one was like two or three far and, out and they let this woman look after those two tiny children well the thing is I've seen pictures of her she's she's pretty and she has a very young looking face actually even though she's 23 33 33 did I just you say said 23 yeah you did yeah oh sorry 33 right. oh, I'm just still drunk from last night what yeah I, I thought that <laughs> oh. <laughs> so she said to this couple, look, can, you know, she's the au pair. I'm going to take the kids on a picnic. Is that okay? Oh, and, well, the French couple said, yeah, yeah, no worries. So she didn't take them to a park oh, fuck. 10 minutes down the road. She went 200 k's to Bendigo. Oh, my God. Which is really, really fucking far. That's kidnapping. Basically kidnapping. And, and obviously then there were images of her splashed all over the news because the family freaked out when they realised they didn't know where the kids were. Right. And eventually she was spotted by police in a department store. Bizarrely, she was wearing a school uniform with these two kids, oh, right? That's, well, that's going to turn heads. But before she'd ar- been arrested in the department store, she'd gone into a Bendigo clinic. And I don't know what kind of clinic it was, but... She told the staff there that she was pregnant and that she was 14 years old and she had these two kids with her. Oh, my God. So. Cry for help? I Look, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on this until we go through a few of the other bizarre incidents because that was not the first time she'd had a brush with the law. So back in 2013 when she was 25, she hit the headlines in Ireland. Ireland. And she was found 
pacing outside, up and down, looking really distressed. She was found by police outside Dublin's general post office. Mm-hmm. And actually, she became known as the GPO girl because from the moment the police found her, she refused to speak. Oh. Did not say a word, right? So the police took her to a local hospital and for weeks, she literally didn't say a word. And they just came up with all these theories. And in the end, they, they thought that she had was a traumatised victim of sex trafficking. And although she never spoke or told them her age, she apparently kind of gave hand signals that she was 14. Again, pretending Again. to be a 14-year-old, right? Right. Trauma this that's is, happened to her at 14 and she, it keeps repeating yeah, itself. Yeah. So Possibly. Uh, yeah. The Irish police were really thorough and they went through CCTV footage and knocked on doors trying to figure out who she was. They worked with child welfare specialists all around the country trying to figure out like who this 14-year-old girl was. They spoke to missing person services all over the world. They contacted Interpol. They went to the Irish Immigration Bureau. I mean, they really put a lot of time and effort into, yeah. into trying to figure out who she was. And they could not get a lead on her identity. But she had braces on her teeth. Right. Hmm. So they even went so far as to contact orthodontists all over Ireland trying to figure out, like, have you put braces on a 14 year old girl recently? Um, All came to a dead end. All came to a dead end. There's this one police that's been, you know, in the news reporting, like giving statements about this. And he said, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, there was a bit of a question mark about her age, but they genuinely thought she was a minor. And because they thought she was a minor, they got special permission from the High Court in Dublin to go public with a picture of her. And they appealed to the public saying, does anybody know who this girl is? Yeah. And a relative came forward who said, yes, uh, this is my niece, I think it was. And she stayed with us at the beginning of her trip to Ireland. From Australia. From Australia. Game was up. Police realised they'd been duped into caring for her, putting her in hospital, going on this wild, crazy search, trying to find out who she was. And they basically put her on a flight back to Australia, deported her out, escorted with Irish police. And she literally never spoke to anyone for the entire journey. And the Irish police and the public were fucking stumped. They're like, why would you do this? What is this Mm. all about? And there were calls, like, in the media to charge her for wasting police time by making false reports. Yeah. But legally, she never said a word. So she right. never made a false report. Okay. She never gave any false information. She mm-hmm. literally never said anything. So in the end, they just put it down to her being public nuisance. And yeah. and they put it down to a mental health issue and not as a criminal case. Okay. Look, at this point, we're talking... 2013, right? And when she got taken back, um, deported back to Australia, she underwent a mental health assessment. But they decided that her mental health issues were not serious enough for any kind of intervention. So they let her go, which then led to a year later in Australia, there was an 18-year-old American backpacker called Emily Bamberger, and she was living in Sydney. And after... All this crazy shit happened. She went to police and told her story about her encounter with Samantha as a party. So basically, 
For months, Emily believed that Sam, Samantha, who was now calling herself Annika Decker, was Swedish royalty, who'd been kidnapped when she was a young girl and was being basically shielded by her family, shielded from her family by Interpol. Bizarre. She said that she, like I said, Swedish royalty, kidnapped at a young age, moving all around the world, uh, being looked after by Interpol agents so she wouldn't be found. And look, this girl Emily thought it was all a bit silly until she got an email from an address ending with at interpol.com by a man claiming to be as a a party's keeper, right? So obviously Samantha had written this email, but Emily didn't know that and she freaked out because apparently also within the email were details that she'd never told anyone in Australia, including Samantha. So she thought, fuck, this is oh. this is real. And she got really scared, you know. Details about Emily Bamberger. Yes. Right. And her family. And she thought, fuck, they they know stuff about me. They know stuff about my family in America. Ooh. She felt really fucking terrified, really Gosh. scared. So, yeah, she decided well in the email they said you need to get a fake identity so she was like fuck I need to get a fake identity so she went to the roads and maritime services authority to try and like get a fake ID pretend her way into it and it worked so she got a new ID that said her name was Amy Fisher and this story just goes on and on and on so I'm just gonna wrap it up with a few details so after she got the new ID she and Arnica went up to Brisbane, flew up to Brisbane to get away from this whole fake Interpol, you're being followed, you know, you're not safe. So they went up to Brisbane and one night Annika, aka Samantha, woke up and said she needed an ambulance because she had this super bad headache. Mm. And when the paramedics arrived, she told them that she was 14 years old and that Emily was her sister. And Emily was like, what the fuck? But she was quite freaked out by it so she just sort of went along with this story and went to the hospital with Annika slash Samantha and then the police looked at Emily and thought who the fuck is this and they charged no they accused her they like arrested her on kidnapping charges because they thought she was 14 years old right no poor Emily I know. So when she was in the police police station, they discovered her fake ID and all of this stuff. And she ended up with a fucking hefty fine and was... Yeah, yeah. And was was ordered to leave the country. But what happened was Samantha freaked out, was still in the hospital, ripped the catheter out. Uh, They fled, got their staff and got on a flight back to Sydney, where then they went to some house where Samantha kept Emily prisoner <gasps> for several weeks. Yeah, what? it's I know. It's it's So she just willingly crazy. went with her, like, come on, Thelma and Louise, we're going on the run. Oh, by the way, why did you tell them that you were fourteen and why, you know, I've got a massive fine to pay. I mean she had a choice, Emily did at, at loads of times to get the fuck out. She did, but and I think they've people have asked her this question, why didn't you just go, mate, I'm out. Like yeah. I'm done. And I think that she felt super scared by this Interpol thing. She really right. felt, and she felt as it if shook she, her. she didn't know anyone. She was in Australia. Yeah. And uh, and I think she was, look, she was 18 years old. She's naive. Yeah. And remember at this point, Samantha as a party is what, 20, 
five, twenty-six. Yeah, she's yeah. a master manipulator. Mm. So yeah, I f- I felt really bad, and and anyway, she ended up getting deported in the end because of visa issues and whatnot. And that's when she Lucky realized, escape. yeah, that it, that her friend, her friend Annika, her Samantha friend was, and uh, captor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to add that. So. After Emily Bamberger left, or Berger, Bamberger, Samantha ended up going to Calgary in Canada, where again, she pretended to be 14 years old and she went to authorities and told them that she was a victim of sexual abuse. She said her name was Aurora Hepburn. Again, like she was 14 years old. She'd been sexually abused and kidnapped and that she'd escaped from her kidnapper. And the Calgary police treated her case seriously and they were desperately trying to find out, you know, how who she was, how to place her back with her parents, where she'd come from because they thought, fuck, if there's one 14-year-old girl here who's managed to escape, there's others. So they thought yeah. they had really, like, rescued this girl and potentially could rescue others from a sex trafficking ring. And as we know, they exist. It's a real hmm, thing. For sure. Yeah, And uh, they spent weeks on this case until a caseworker in Calgary came across the Dublin story and made the connection. Uh, But this time, Samantha was charged on um, public mischief charge and for misleading Calgary police. And once again, she was deported back to Australia from Canada with a police escort. And look... Her deception just goes on and on and on, including being a nanny for... Tom Jarvis, who apparently is some Australian professional basketball player, and his right. wife, Jessie, real name. Jessie? Jessie. Oh. Uh, and they found her online through a web service for au pairs. Okay. Again, guess they didn't check any references because she actually moved in with them. And the family thought she was awesome at first. You know, wow, uh-huh. what a great au pair. And again, she had told them she was like 18. But then the wife got suspicious because Samantha started using the wife, Jessie's identity to pretend she was a casting agent for Pixar. And weirdly, she, and this is what I don't get, she convinced a 12-year-old girl that she met on the street that she could get her a job as a voiceover artist in a Pixar movie. Mm. And... You know, there was like a weird, not kidnapping scenario, but almost a little bit like grooming scenario with this 12-year-old girl with the voiceover. I don't know. She also made a Perth family believe that she was a Russian gymnast whose entire family had died in a murder-suicide in France. Mm. And more than that, at one point, she convinced social services in Sydney that she was a teen victim of abuse and she managed to get enrolled in school and put in a foster home. Oh, wow. I mean, what is the motivation for all of this? Well, that's the thing. Like, it's it, it, there is some speculation. But the upshot of all this is that basically she was sentenced just recently to two years in prison for all they could really get her on was faking her qualifications um, to get her job as the live-in nanny mm. and for taking the French couple's kids across Victoria without permission. I think the child was actually, the charge was child stealing. Mm -hmm. And look, during the the sentencing, the magistrate said the motive behind this bizarre crime remains unclear because she never 
got any monetary compensation for any of this. She never, she wasn't blackmailing anyone. She wasn't extorting anyone. She never got money. She wasn't doing it for money. Mm. So that's weird because most people do this to like at least say, I've got your kids. I want, you know. Yeah. Sure. 100 grand. Nothing. But then the jig would be up for her. You know, it'd be over because she has a load more left in her, I think. I think This is so her way too. of life. If she was to start extorting people, she wouldn't be able to do it again. She'd be in prison. Well, yes, but look at Anna Delvey. She's out. But unlike Anna Delvey, I don't think that Samantha as a party was doing this for fame and fortune or just attention you know because to me like she has actually experienced some trauma that's that's absolutely changed her well during the trial the court apparently heard that she'd been diagnosed with a severe personality disorder and a rare condition called pseudologia fantastica which when I looked it up it's just basically compulsive lying where Uh elaborate stories are told that kind of verge on the edge of believable but where the person is sort of in a heroic position. But this is not that because in this case, I think Samantha is always putting herself in the victim position, yeah. not as the hero. The hero. So yeah. I don't know. But the compulsive lying thing definitely, you know, it's is what's happening here. Mm. But what I find really sad is that it just seems like she's not getting help. Yeah. And Look, at the trial, apparently, it was recommended that she could be released if she received voluntary treatment and Mm -hmm. case management, like under some specialist services arrangement. But she refused. And then the – so she went to – she was in prison. And basically, she's about to get out because when when this whole case kicked off two years ago, she was detained. She was put in prison. And they've sentenced her – to two years so she's got like basically a couple of months left and she's out wow wow yeah but prison have apparently refused to give her a referral for any mental health intervention Mm. where's her family michelle i don't know what's happening with the family i have no idea look like you sort of said you can't just you can't help but wonder what happened to her at age 14 and why she's constantly going back to that age and look, maybe she has a split personality, like they said, or well, they said personality disorder. Maybe she yeah. has multiple personalities and one of them is 14 and that's yeah. a dominant one that keeps coming up. I don't know. I have no idea. Good theory. But when you break it down, like, is prison really the right place for someone like her? Because is is it a mental health issue? Is she a danger to herself? She's mm. obviously... Not necessarily a danger to others, but she's a fucking nuisance. She's a public yeah. nuisance, and she Taking will reoffend. She will. She will reoffend. You know, she will continue doing this. It's compulsive for her. I would say. I wonder how far she would go as well. I mean, she's already kidnapped one girl, and she's kidnapped two children. And God knows if there hadn't been, if the alarm hadn't been raised, like it wasn't with Emily Bamberger. No. What would have happened? Yeah, I them? mean, who knows? But I. I don't think she's ever been charged with harming someone. Right. I mean, obviously, like, keeping that girl prisoner was not great. But Well, it just, she needs help. She, she needs does some, need help. Some kind so. of help. I'm surprised that they haven't realised this and, and referred her. I mean, I wonder now, because she's got this prison sentence, if they can now force, you know, her to have some kind of yeah. treatment. But... I don't know. It's just a bizarre case. And honestly, I Very think this sad. is not going to be the last time we hear about Samantha as a party. 
Well, incredible. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you to Janika for hearing about that and letting us know. Well, I've got a story that's about fraud, but it's more about gender fraud. It's about people who are pretending to be male when they're actually female and grooming, again, young girls into having relationships with them. Have you ever heard about this? Because it's a thing. Do you know what? I feel like I have heard things about this, actually. Maybe read yeah. stories. But what what have you got? Well, I've got a story that starts in 2011. It's Chester, England, which is famous for being the home of Hollyoaks. And it's also <laughs> where all the northern footballers live and their fancy wives. It's just west to the west of, of uh, the country under Liverpool, Chester. Okay. Yeah. An attractive 27-year-old uni student by the name of Chloe, which is not her real name, was contacted on Facebook by a handsome, athletic, half-Filipino young man called Kai Fortune, who was looking for friendship. Okay, what is with all these weird names? I don't know. They're Make so fantastical. I know. I know. Kai Fortune. <gasps> Kai Fortune. Kai Fortune. Hello, Kai. my name is Kai, Kai. Fortune. <laughs> Anyway, they soon became boyfriend and girlfriend despite having never met. And Chloe was, of course, keen to meet IRL, as you called it earlier, as he was a student at the same uni. But for more than a year, he refused to meet. Even though they were going out. Yeah. They were having an online Online. intense... Well... Have you ever ever had that happen to you where you've been... I have. I've been contacted by people on MySpace. (laughs) 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 Wanting to hang out. Yeah. Anyway. No, what I meant was like, have you ever had sort of an online friendship where you've never met the person, but you've, they've contacted you and then actually you do end up having. No. I have. I've had pen friends in the 80s. I have where you've got, you know, where you end up sort of talking to someone you've never met before. You don't know them, but you end up talking on Messenger and it's amazing. Will that be Grinder, how... Michelle? No, 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 no. Because this is how I ended up becoming good friends with someone that I am very, in real life, <laughs> very good friends with now. But we first met through Facebook, actually. And oh. it's amazing how quickly you feel that you know someone, that you can trust them with personal details about yourself, and that By you feel very. Your guts online. Very intimate. It, it's, it's a very intimate sort of situation so Mm. I do think that people can become drawn into these online chats because if if the people are saying you know if they're being genuine or you think they're being genuine it it feels like a real connection it really does Mm. I mean I'm very lucky that you know when I was chatting to to my friend we we ended up being great friends in real life and have been for more than 10 years now well the reason why they couldn't meet, Kai said, was because he'd been disfigured in a car accident. He also mentioned at some point that he had a heart condition. At another point, he had told her that he was seriously ill with cancer. I mean, oh, all he's of a these catch. Things, he's a catch. He's a real catch, but I mean, he was gorgeous and Chloe believed him. So Kai suggested that she meet one of his best friends, Gail Newland. So the two women did meet and they had a lot in common and they would go to concerts together, they'd watch films, they'd go play netball, hang out. And talk about Kai. Possibly talk about Kai, I don't know. But the thing that Chloe liked most about Gail Newland was that Kai trusted her so totally. 
So more than a year had passed and then one day Kai agreed to meet her at a hotel where they consummated their relationship. What? They did. They had they met and they had sex. But strict rules, strict rules were imposed by Kai. Kai told her he was so anxious about his appearance that she would have to wear a blindfold and she couldn't touch him because of his injuries. So it was a very ginger, very gingerly having sex with blindfolds here, there and everywhere. And she had to keep her hands down by her side or whatever. Oh, my God. Maybe he tied her up. Well, later on, it does come out that she did willingly have her her hands tied behind her back. But that that's there's more to come about. I'll fill you in. He said his chest was bandaged because of a nozzle that was attached to his heart and that he had to wear a compression style suit to regulate his heartbeat. I mustn't giggle when I'm saying things like that. That could be a real thing. Anyway, she accepted these strange conditions because she loved him, Michelle. Oh, she, she loved, loved Carfor. She's too. like, okay, fine. I'll do it in the dark or with my eyes shut. (laughs) With my hands bound. Oh, God. (laughs) For three months, they'd meet at Chloe's flat every Sunday and sometimes midweek. Kai had bought Chloe an eternity ring and and she told everyone that they were going to get married. But once when Kai left after they had sex, Chloe looked out of her bedroom window and saw Gail Newland driving off. But she assumed that Newland must have given Kai a lift and that he was getting in the passenger seat. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bong. There's a little alarm bell going Ding, off. ding, red flag. Red flag. Eventually, Chloe became suspicious. And on the fa- final occasion that they had sex, she grabbed the back of his head and got her hand caught on something and it didn't feel right. So she ripped off her blindfold and saw Gail standing there with an enormous pink strap on. No! Oh, my God! <laughs> Horrified, Chloe ran into her bathroom and locked herself in. There was a bit of you know, a bit of an altercation, and I think then the two women. I think Chloe, even though she was naked, she had to find. She was in her own home. She had to find her clothes, and she ran outside. And Gail followed her. And there's CCTV of the two women having an altercation in the street. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's more about the about the strap on. It comes up later. I, do you know, I was just thinking. I hope Jen knows what a strap on is, but otherwise she's not. <laughs> do you gonna... want to explain it to her? <laughs> I think just my description alone kind of, it's fairly self-explanatory. Anyway, after that, Chloe claims that she felt dirty and ashamed and began self-harming. So she reported the incident to the police in 2013. Now, this is like a year later. And Gail was... I think if that was me, I would feel more than dirty and ashamed. I'd feel like a fucking idiot. How did you not realise that big pink strap-on was not a real PP? Well... Peeny penis. (sighs) Well, that is a good question, Michelle. She reported the incident to the police in 2013 and Gail was convicted in September 2015 and sentenced to eight years, only to be freed on appeal in 2017. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Massive. But there was, so there was a retrial. And during this retrial, Gail tells a very different version of that story. Ooh. Plus the prosecution or the defence do ask that question, Michelle, and the big pink strap-on gets wheeled in. <laughs> Apparently, the jury said they could smell the rubber no! from where they were sitting. <laughs> and the balls no. don't move. They're rigid. Are they fluffy? I wonder if they're, they're fluffy. They're not fluffy. No, it's all just rubber. It's a rubber. It's just like, it's enormous by the sound of it. They couldn't get a bigger one. She says 
So Gail says, this is her version. She says the two women first met in 2011 and, and that she and Chloe were both students at Chester University. They met at a gay nightclub called Gender Blender. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Chloe asked Gail if she was gay. Gail said yes and claims that Chloe told her that she was also gay, but she was struggling with her sexual identity. Gail says, Gail being the one that's also Kai, Gail says she told Chloe about her coping mechanism to, to help her meet other women. And that was her alter ego, Kai. And it was oh. the first time she'd ever told anybody about Kai, who had been her alter ego since she first realised she had feelings for the opposite for the same sex at the age of 15. Okay. So when Kai asked Chloe to be friends on Facebook a couple of days later, Chloe was fully aware that it was an alias. Huh. Okay. Gail said that she didn't know what to do when their relationship became sexual. And she says she was a virgin. And it was Chloe's idea to buy the prosthetic penis, which was, as I said before, rigid, bald, enormous. (laughs) (laughs) Pink strapple. Probably had some veins tattooed (laughs) on it. I don't know. They don't tattoo them. No, they actually mould them. That's what I meant. They mould the veins into the the veins. You've seen one. You've seen it. I haven't, only on TV. All right. They agreed to conduct the sexual part of their relationship as Chloe and Kai because both of them were struggling with their sexuality. So on the evening of the big reveal, Mm -hmm. Gail sadly had tried to kill herself. She jumped off a bridge into a canal in Mollington, (gasps) Cheshire, injuring her leg. She survived, obviously, because she then went to jail. Some say that this was evidence of her guilt, but Gail says it was because she was desperate and heartbroken. I mean, these girls had been friends for over a year. Yeah. And they were a big part of each other's lives. But the police asked her at the time why she jumped and she told them, I've done something I shouldn't have and now my friend can't forgive me. Oh, well, that could be anything. It could also, it could be anything. In court, Gail says this was not a reference to sexually assaulting or deceiving Chloe. It's because she'd called her crazy and tapped in their argument, oh. uh, that argument that ensued after the reveal. For her part, while on the stand, Chloe had been unable to remember certain key elements due to what she called post-traumatic stress. And this is where it comes out mm. that she had agreed to have her hands tied. That information was not previously known when right. Gail was sent down for eight years in the previous trial. This trial, she suddenly offered up this information saying that she had willingly tied her hands behind her back every time they had sex. And when the prosecutor said, the defense said, well, why did why did that slip your mind? Mm. It was a major, she said, probably because I, I had, you know, I, it was really traumatic. The whole thing was very traumatic, this trial, because people really felt for both victim and and I said, do too. I mean, I know I was laughing about the big attacker strap on, but actually, I do feel a bit sorry for both of them because, yeah. you know, like here I am laughing, but actually, there's two sides to this story, and and I don't. There's no winners here. They're both they both yeah. lose in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. The defence team argued that you don't really need your eyes to know who you're being intimate with. Possibly mm. senses are heightened, you know, you can sm- you know the smell or yeah. the sound of their voice. Smell of and that wouldn't rubber. Chloe have realised? Yeah, the smell of the overwhelming smell of rubber. <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't Chloe have realised the similarity, the similarities between Kai and Gail because they had the same birthday, the uh, same voice? unusual course. The same voice, the same, yeah, they went to the same uni, did the same course, they had the same taste in music and films, they both had a dog called Gypsy, and oh, uh, 
Kai apparently told Chloe that they sounded similar because they came from the same part of the country and, and had been friends since childhood. Right. This is what Chloe says. Okay. I think Chloe... I think something else is going on here. Perhaps Chloe, I mean, there's a possibility that Chloe was so ashamed with what was going on that she just decided she wanted out and she didn't know how else to do it. Yeah, maybe. And then she felt disgusting. She changed her mind. Yeah. But then again, three women are named in court who said they were duped also by into virtual relationships with Kai. Oh. Virtual, not physical. Okay, not IRL. They're not like getting penetrated by a big pink strap on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the most intense was with a woman named C and it began two years before Gail had met Chloe and it appeared to stop while she was with Chloe and then resumed briefly after Chloe went to the police. So C had been besotted with Kai, regarding him as her boyfriend and becoming jealous of other women in Kai's life. Oh so when C or any other woman tried to meet Kai, it was always the same excuses, you know, the car crash, the heart yeah, disease, yeah. the cancer. But Gail insisted the difference with Chloe was that Kai, that she knew that Kai was Gail. Right. Because they'd met IRL, etc. C eventually discovered Kai's true identity after combing Facebook and discovering Gail had all the similarities, you know, the dog called mm. Gypsy, blah, blah. She, so she disguised her number and rang Kai's number asking for Gail and Gail replied, speaking. Oh, dear. Gig was up. Jig was up. Jig was up. The jig was up. The jig, gig was up. Gig. There is no doubt that Gail behaved in a duplicitous manner, but this is used in her defence. If C could figure it out so quickly, how was it that Chloe, who had been intimate in intimate one-to-one situations with both Gail and Kai, how could she not know? But anyway, the emotional jury found Gail guilty of three counts of penetration. That's a thing. Okay. And she was sentenced to six years and placed on the sex offenders register. So she's back in prison, unfortunately. I don't know when this, this was what, in 2017. So that's fucking intense. Jesus. She also, this is another detail that came out because it was kept quiet at the time because they wanted her to have a fair trial. So this next information I'm going to tell you was kept quiet during the second trial, but she was also done for fraud. She had to do six months of fraud in addition to the sentence. All right. She defrauded her former former employers when she was working for a marketing agency. She created 10 false identities and posed as bloggers to raise payments for nine grand. Oh, okay. So okay. she was working like, you know, when you're yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a blogger that mentions different things. So a psychiatrist has since diagnosed her with gender dysphoria, which is a condition where a person experiences discomfort or distress because there is a mismatch between their biological sex and gender identity. Mm. And she's also been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, which is a oh, form Jesus. of autism, yeah. as well as eating disorders, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder and depression. Poor thing. And she's in prison. And And she's on the sex offenders list. Yeah. That is, that's basically life, life over. I mean, it won't be because she knows how to create new identities. So she'll just do that and life will go on. Yeah. Hopefully she can come out and she'll be able to start again. I mean, I I don't know. How old will she be? She's 27 or something now. So she'll be in her 30s, late 30s or something. I mean, that's not the end of the world. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, this thing has happened a few times before. There was another case in 2012 where, there, where a 20-year-old girl called Gemma Barker was convicted of sexually assaulting several friends while disguised as a man. How? In I 2013. Don't... I don't I know. I guess 
get it. People are very trusting. Perhaps this is the generation of people who happily send pictures of their boobs and vag online. Oh, yeah. You know, they without all do. thinking about it. Nudes. Everyone, everyone sends nudes. Yeah. In 2013, Justine McNally was convicted of six charges of sexual assault while masquerading as a man. And in the same year, Christine Wilson, who had been diagnosed with gender identity disorder, was placed on the sex offenders register after pleading guilty to sexual relationships with two teenage girls while disguised as a man. Oh, God. It's just, it goes on. There's another one. 23-year-old Jennifer Staines in 2016 was sentenced to 39 months after pleading guilty to sexual assaults on three teenage girls. Oh, my God. I mean, this is going on. It is going on. But the question at the end of this is, how do you quantify it? Is it rape? Because it's misrepresentation. These girls have willingly gone to bed with somebody who possibly groomed them, definitely deceived them. Yeah. I mean, how do do you go about... This is the ethics. This is a question of ethics and, and... And law because yeah. it's so blurry and we are going into uncharted waters, you know, since the age of the internet and online grooming. I mean, it's not a new thing, obviously, but it's be- become so much more easy to mask your identity online. Yeah. But but then know, when they meet in real life, Michelle, I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, would you have sex with someone with with a blindfold or meet them? You wouldn't even meet them. in. I mean, this is why they're going for young girls, obviously. Yeah, who are a bit naive, maybe a bit sheltered. Yeah. But, you know, it sounded like Chloe was none of those things. You know, she'd been yeah. at a bar where, you know, not a gay bar, but like a... It was a night called Gender Blender. Oh, a night called Gender Blender. Okay. At, a, at a nightclub, yeah. Right. Okay. But even still, she obviously had some questions about her own sexual yeah. identity. To go to Gender Blender, you you know that you're going to meet people who are blending their gender. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But I, I don't know. I, and this is why I think it must be so tough as a lawyer to unpick yeah. like the details of these of these cases and figure out what are the crimes because yeah. well they've all done serious time yeah. uh you know yeah Gail Newland being the longest right at 6 years i mean she initially had 8 years but then there was a retrial yeah. she can't have another appeal that's not allowed no right again i i i think there's so much to unpack with this in terms yeah. of like motivation you know, a little bit like Samantha as a party. What's the motivation here? Well, I think the upshot is that most of these girls, these women who were masquerading as men, and you know, it was explained earlier in the story how Gail felt gender dysphoria. She was discomfortable or distressed about the mismatch between her biological sex and gender identity. And perhaps Chloe had a touch of that as well. I don't know. And that's why she went yeah, along that, with it. Maybe she didn't then, go along with it. Who knows? It's her word against her word. Yeah, but at people who with gender dysphoria, they will either often become trans or they'll identify as non-binary. So they're not going to start putting a strap on and trying to deceive people. Well, maybe that journey's not so easy and clear cut, Michelle. Just no, become binary non gender. Perhaps it's a really long road to get there. And in the meantime, you're, you're experimenting, which is another thing that Gail said they were doing. They were just two young girls experimenting with their sexuality, you know, yeah. m- mucking around, do, using a bit of fantasy just to make it feel better in the moment. Yeah, no, exploring I get... things. Yeah, I can see that. Going back to the idea of nudes, have you ever, have you ever got a dick pic? Oh, yes, I have. (laughs) 
Not from your have husband. I? Have you ever received no. one? Hang on. Have I received a dick pic? No, sorry. I've never received one, but I've seen one. A gay friend of mine. <laughs> this is when I, way back when I didn't really know that this was a thing. He was showing me pictures, the outrageous pictures that he was being sent of giant penises. I didn't even know that they could be real. Those I've never seen a penis like that in real life. I've got hundreds of them on my phone. Why? Well, just from when I was single, before I met Andreas. And I don't know, this is just still on my phone. They're all in the cloud. I Why don't know. would you send that? I think that's for, you know, for your eyes only yeah, in but real people life. Think, but people think, oh, once she sees this... She's not oh. going to be able to resist me. But honestly, i have they're horrible. Why have you kept them? Well, I told you that it's not that I kept them. They're just they're just in the camera <laughs> roll. I don't, yeah, I should. But I don't, who has the time to go through and I've got through? time to delete. You I'll wanna, scroll, all right, scroll go through, through my phone. <laughs> go through my phone and delete the dick I'll pics. I'll delete your dick pics. I've got loads of them. Loads oh of them. Oh, my God. Any that you thought, what the hell's that? Yes, there was one where the guy. It was. Should we be talking about? It was this? erect, and then he had a full size. We don't want to shame co- boys in their tools. It's not shaming. I'm about to tell you. There was this one guy. Okay. He had. It was. It was so you could get a measure of how how big oh. it was. He had a full size can of Coke, and, and, <laughs> and next to it, like. As a as a kind of measuring stick, yeah, and then it was oh a, and God. then it was a few inches bigger than that. Michelle, can I just ask? <laughs> is the reason why everybody <laughs> was sending you these penis photos because you'd said I like big dicks, so don't apply <laughs> if you don't have one? I bet you did. Do not bother if you've got less than a coke can sized. <laughs> so they're all sending you these pictures compared to their can of lilt. <laughs> I think, I think it was because they knew I was little because you, you put your, no but you put your your height on and so I think I just had big guys with big dicks trying to impress a little girl oh it's all wrong anyway I I'm so glad That's I'm not saying me any more awkward ox well thank you so much Geordie for that intriguing story well, thank you for your very intriguing story as well. And thank you to our listener and part-time researcher, Yannicka Bailey, for the heads up on As a Party story. Yes, and I think she's actually sent you some more ideas, hasn't she? She has. Okay, she has. So coming at you. So, big up. Big up to Yannicka. Coming at you. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much for today. Always good to see your face. Yep, same. If anyone out there has anything they want us to cover, any stories, any ideas, please get in touch. Get in touch. IRL. No, not in real <laughs> no. life. Just send us an email. Virtually. Yeah. Virtually. Hello. Hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com. Dot com. Yes, indeed. And that's it from us at Eavesdropping, 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 e